Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Andy Wood. Hey, Andy. How are we... things? Uh, not too bad. I, I don't know why I'm like, how are you, Andy? I saw you <laughs> 12 hours ago. Right, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, I, I, I went up to visit Andy. Andy lives in the desert now. Andy lives in Joshua Tree. We should introduce our guest. Wow, let's Because uh, rather than just leaving him hanging on the end of the line, uh, our guest is... I, I, I would say... Formerly a comedian, you you no longer do stand up, right? Or do you occasionally double in stand up still? But I would say now a, a, a successful author. Yeah, no, I turned TV writer turned author. Yeah, no, I basically uh, retired from stand up comedy June twelve months ago, which, as our mutual friend Gary Delaney says, is the greatest piece of comedic timing he's ever seen. Seeing as I basically bailed, and then the whole thing had a pandemic. So um, yeah, it was, maybe I've you never... were was propping up the whole comedy world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was basically a, <laughs> I was the stimulus package for the entire thing. Yeah, um, look, uh, I mean, if you don't look at any other external factors, I mean, let's just draw the correlation here. Let's look, <laughs> let's just see. Yep, like yep. Queeve gives up. This is Queeve McDonald, everyone. Hey, Queeve. Uh, but are. this Queeve gives up stand up, uh, and then seconds later, the entire industry collapses. Comedy clubs close down. Yep. People, People just lost all reason to leave their house. Now I was no longer gigging. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it makes sense temporally. It makes sense correlationally. It's got to be the cause. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think as a science podcast, that should be QED. Next question. Yes. <laughs> we pretty much... I don't understand a lot of science, but that sounded all very believable to me. So, so you you started... You started self-publishing books, like sort of crime... Comedic crime novels under... The, Queen McDonald. Yes. But you have just published under you've you've gone for the slightly different name, the the Queeve and now CK McDonald. Uh, yes. You you are now your first major publisher properly like released big label book uh under CK McDonald. That's the Stranger Times, which I just read by the way. It was great. It's oh, sort of dabbling in that um I, I would say sort of I I Pratchett adjacent, certainly in that sort oh, of cool. vibe. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's something that people have been nice enough to say. And it's actually with, um, it's genuinely said this first, because, you know, I've been very lucky where our books kind of took off on their own. And, and we, um, so we kind of, we did well, like I kind of retired before this came out from stand-up. But yeah, they went for CK, by the way, for the almost unbelievable reason that a major publisher was terrified by the fact that nobody knew how to spell, say, or do anything with the name <laughs> Queeve. Yeah, um, I mean, it is basically... I. I had I not sort of met you and heard your name roughly the same time at almost exactly the same time that I saw it written down. I don't think I would have even. I, I don't think I could have even begun to guess how C A I M H might be pronounced. Yeah, no, people genuinely. If you want to really annoy yourself, listeners, uh, without if you haven't seen my name on the, on the thing, just have a game of hangman with yourself now and trying to spell the name you already have heard somebody say, <laughs> and you will actually not get it. That's how bad it is. You might I used have to do a single letter. Yeah. yeah, like genuinely, the phonetic spelling of my name, this is 100% true, features none of the letters that are in my name. <laughs> um, I used to do a joke in my stand-up about my granddad going, is that the child's name or his chemical formula? Because that, <laughs> it, And like, I've seen people get genuinely angry when they look at it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's been quite the feature. So yeah, we went with CK, which, by the way, is aren't my initials because Queeve is the 
Um, it's a version. It's like Kev, basically, in Irish. Queeveen is the full mm. ne- name of Kevin in Irish. Um, and I've always used Queeve. And like people say, oh, it's a stage name. And you go, no, it's what my wife calls me. At least it's one of the things she calls me. And she doesn't call me Kevin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I, like, so I've had people say it's a stage name. And I go, no. But um, the reason we went with CK is I genuinely sent it to my agent. And he said the Queeve thing might be a problem. And I said C slash K as in Queeve or like, as in C for Queeve or K for Kevin. And he just looked and he went CK. That was a good initials. Um, I mean, he's not 100% stand-up literate because you would argue that maybe the, the initials CK have had a bad couple of years. But um, <laughs> Did something happen to Calvin Klein I don't know about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Genuine, the, the, the underpants. I have Calvin Klein underpants, by the way. Very disappointing. I will say that. I do not like the elastic. I mean, that is not relevant to this Ooh. discussion, but, but genuinely, a- he has to catch some heat somewhere for those things. It is not <laughs> impressive. It's the opposite of a sponsorship. We just had a negative yeah, ad. Yeah. We owe them money. Gonna, yeah, I'm just going to trash some major major companies. <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of them have lawyers. Um, uh. but, um, so yeah, we went for the we went for the which, which uh, as I was trying to get to. Sorry, uh, Transworld as you mentioned. Uh, basically, the main sales sales pitch was uh, they were Terry Pratchett's publishers throughout his career. Um, the one that I'm now signed with is Transworld. They're part of Penguin now because everything in publishing bought everything else in publishing. But it's still Transworld on the books, which is, is kind of cool. It kind of got me... They did go for my ego where they were like, you know, it's the same publishers as Terry Pratchett, your all-time favourite hero. And I was like, ooh. And even my, <laughs> I remember my wife saying at the time, we went, you know, there's going to be other offers. She's like, yeah. And she looked at me and went, you're going to take this one, aren't you? I was like, very probably, yeah. yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been terribly good at money motivation, but I really like this thing. So, yeah. Um, but it is, it, you, you had an impressive route in that, you know, you started, you started self-publishing these books and they kicked off and grew to the point that major publishers started to notice like, oh, we could jump on this thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, they do. I mean, people sort of say, oh, if you, if you independently do it, you'll never, uh, you know, you never get a main publisher and stuff. And that was actually nonsense. My publishers were, were fine with it. Obviously, I wrote something different because to be honest, like, if you actually do something yourself independently, I mean, there have been people that do it, but most of the time it makes no sense to then sell the rights to a publisher because they wouldn't, like, if you're already making money, they're never going to give you as much money as you would make just by, if you're already successful. It's They wouldn't pay that kind of money. It just weirdly makes more sense. There's so many weird things in publishing that make no sense. And just one of them is if your book is self-published and it's very successful, like they used, they did with Wool and stuff, which is now going to be a TV series and all. There's been a couple that they've, the publishers have latched onto, but now they basically won't because they go, ah, yeah, no, it's, if it's already successful, we're, we're not going to make it as successful as it already would be with and all that. So weird, there's so many odd things in publishing um, that you find out there's such a weird system when you go through the main one, the kind of the traditional publishers. But yeah, we started doing that and then um, they kind of got interest and I think they noticed the books around and we got option for TV in America, bizarrely, um, before we sort of did the traditional route. And oh, when's this podcast going out, by the way? This is a really technical... Uh, like within a day. Oh, okay. Uh, next week it's going to be announced. Uh, uh, there's a... T- there's a, a a comedy company in Britain that's one of the biggest names that you and I know well, Matt. Um, uh-huh. I'll say, and we know people who are also represented by them. Um, All right, I've narrowed it down to two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of them is signed up with actually, a, what's really, what I'm really pleased about is basically a comedian who, again, we both know, was a fan of the books. Uh, I can't say this until Tuesday, so this is really badly timed. But he was a fan of the books. Wait, wait, wait. Was, we, we, could, we could put this off until Tuesday if you want, Matt. 
we, yeah, Does that we make could, it better? We could put yeah, because otherwise, otherwise you probably should cut this bit out because it's really annoying. <laughs> Let's put it out on Tuesday because we okay. aren't under a big time constraint. Sorry, listeners, we made you wait a few days. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, now, now you know for, why the episode came out a few days late. It wasn't right. because of our yeah. incompetence and general disorganization. It was because of an embargoed <laughs> piece of information. Yes. Yeah, that will mean nothing to you. <laughs> but um, Chris Addison, uh, the brilliant Chris Addison, was a fan of the books. I'm not even sure how he got recommended them, but he was a fan of the books. And um, I've, I've now we've now been optioned by Avalon with Chris Addison attached as sort of director producer um, to to sort of see if we can get a TV version made of the, du- the Dublin books, which is really. Cool. Cool. That was because yeah, Chris Addison for the for listeners who aren't as sort of into reading the credits and being really afraid with what Chris you might have known as a comedian, but also he's increasingly turned his hand to first writing and now directing. He directed a bunch of uh, like um, Amanda Yunucci projects. Like there was some thick of it that he was both in and then directed, and then he directed episodes of Veep. Yeah, he did a lot of Veep, and I think he's, he's, he's had, even been nominated for bigger awards. Di- and yeah, and now he's in the feature directing world as well. Yes, he's done some of them. There's also a series called Breeders in the UK, which has been very successful. It's got Martin Freeman in it. I think they've already been commissioned. The second series is on now, and they've already been commissioned for the third one. Which I think is that Simon Blackwell wrote that? Who? Yes, him and Simon Blackwell are, are involved. I think Simon Blackwell's the main writer, and then Chris, because Chris kind of probably has a hand in a, in a bit of everything. Who again, Simon but. is also someone in that Veep world, and that Veep and Peep show, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, just the, things. Yeah, an amazing CV, and like I was, I was really psyched because you know I've got I'm lucky with this Stranger Times got got you know TV interest and stuff and all is great. But the thing I was like, as you know yourself, Chris Addison, we, even though we, me and Chris wouldn't know each other very well, but as you know, somebody from the stand up circuit, you kind of you know a lot of the same people, you have a lot of the same instincts, and you just yes. I just sort of instantly went, he'll get it. If you haven't like done many gigs together, you would have been drinking in the same Edinburgh performers bars and yeah. And you, you, but even then, you just think we have shared instincts because we've both come up from live and stuff. So it just feels like he will understand. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to have a situation where I'm going to be going to Chris Addison going, I don't think that bit's funny. I think the other, you know, I, yeah, obviously, you, I, I, I don't think you've understood what the joke is in that sentence. Exactly. Which, and I've, I've which you, we've all had because you, you also, you, you like, in between your author and your stand up phase, you also went through a healthy chunk of like writing for various TV shows. I I, yeah, I yeah. know. I know from personal experience as well. We've we've had the experience of like, oh, that is an amazing way to deliver that line. Of it. thank you. You have lifted my writing. And then we've had the sort of um, what a curious, what a curious choice you've just made for that sentence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've had amazing things with that. Where I've written kids TV as well, which again is a great, a brilliant, um, you know, training ground and stuff. And I always speak really highly of it. But you do have the situation where those shows are recorded pretty fast. And you will see the couple of actors who just butcher a line, and like I've, I've actually not seen most of the kids' TV I've written, um, and it's not because I'm sure most of it's great, but just when you see somebody really kill a line, you go, "Oh man, how have you ever <laughs> spoken English before now that you didn't understand <laughs> the structure of that sentence?" Um, but yeah, so yeah, exactly that. And, and you know, whereas Chris is, I mean, Chris has written for loads of stuff as well. So he's he's been through all that. So yeah, I'm just feel you know, it's nice to feel like you've got shared experience with a person who's in charge of your baby, as it were. Uh, so the, the Stranger Times, though, to give it another plug, is the book that is the major label book that is currently your yes. your big thing that he has come out. Yeah, no, it's and it's 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 been cool because it's kind of a it's a sort of paranormal thing set in Manchester where I now live. Um, which was a lot of fun to write. And um, also the, the great thing with it is I actually did, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I did, um, oh, you probably yeah, you would be, but uh, 
I wrote a lot of short stories as well, basically because there was a lockdown and I was really bored and I didn't want to write another novel. So I wrote like a bunch of short stories. And what we did was we got um, friends of ours from the stand up circuit to record them. Um, yeah. And we had, there's been loads of great people doing them and it's been, it's been such good fun hearing comedians reading the stories. It's been great. And they're all sort of set within this world. Am I, am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but so the book, because the actual book is about um, this world that revolves around this sort of paranormal sort of Fortean times Ex- type. Yeah. Uh, this sort of rag that's produced out of this disheveled office in the middle of Manchester that's all about like weird happenings. But then it turns out that there's they're not just necessarily completely invented stories and there is more to it than meets the eye. And that's the that's. That's very much the pitch, yeah, and it's, but, it's very much based on, it's kind of like the 14 times is low rent brother, um, right. like really sort of like the sort of, for, and for American listeners, uh, was it with the Weekly World News, wasn't that, like it's gone now, it was the one with Bat Boy and all that, right, if, if right. you remember that, which was an amazing, I actually yeah. got a book of some of the highlights of that because they stopped publishing it. And the thing sort is, of, I, was, I was impregnated by a werewolf and all that kind of. Yeah, thing. I mean, it's 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 honestly, it just reaches the level of art. It's so like to come up with something because I feel like, throughout the book there are fake uh, news stories that are supposedly in the Stranger Times, like articles, um, and those are kind of as, as a writing thing. By the way, those are really tricky because you've got to write something because basically, like the articles in the Fortean Times are already so out there. You have to. They're actually. It's actually really hard to do a kind of spoof, if you like, of that, because you know when it's when something's already so kind of out there. So you have to really get into a good frame of mind to get that. The, there's a, like a little sliver between absolutely insane and you know the, the truth. To, well, like what's reported, as it were, and you have to hit that kind of sweet spot. But those articles are um, loads of fun. Like I say, when those are difficult to do, actually, uh, Jason Manfred, the uh, comedian, I was on his radio show for like six weeks. And we had a competition where it was him and Steve Edge who presents the show with him. And every week I get, I came on with three stories, two of which were real and one of which I made up. And we were supposed to have a competition to see which one of them could spot the more made up ones. And uh, do you know who won the competition? Uh, it was me because they got so few of the ones that were made up compared to real <laughs> that I ended up winning the competition in a way that mathematically, I've never quite figured it out, but mathematically I should have been basically... If they'd have guessed without seeing the stories, they would have, like, which one was fake, they would have done better. That's how weird the actual news is. And, I mean, I'd imagine a lot of listeners would already know this, but the golden rule with any weird news story is, uh, did it happen in Florida? Yeah, it's true. Um, Everything happens in Florida. Florida is interesting reasons for that. It's, it's, It's quite... There is a, there's, like, a bunch of reasons why Florida Man and Florida News is such a specific thing. Um... And like it, it's like a, it's a perfect storm of, um, well, perfect storm for starters in mm-hmm. the, the wet weather conditions. Right. Um, there's yeah. like tax break rules that re- that mean that a bunch of like it's a mixture of retiree. There's there's legal reasons um, that it just ends up being a sort of general safe space for people fleeing other um, areas of the U.S. There's mm-hmm. also um, there's there's also it's also reporting rules like i think I, I i need to look up the exact reason but it's something like there are no restrictions on any legal things you can publish or everything that goes through courts has to be published i can't whatever it is ah. there's just like a greater amount of florida stories as well but so are also, you telling me there's logical reasons why florida is completely illogical 
It, it, it very much so. Uh, wow. I'm going to look up the specifics. Florida man, why? Uh, They've also got a lot of slums. Is, am I right in thinking about? Uh, am I right in thinking that um, uh, you also produced a f- uh, you produced an entire version of the newspaper to help to to sell the book? Yeah, yeah, we actually produced the newspaper. We just sort of did up a version of it, um, which worked great as a promotional thing. We literally sent around publishers before we'd ever sent the manuscript out. And uh, it was one of those things because, weirdly, um, I did the same thing for my first Edinburgh Edinburgh show, like, oh, God, 15 years ago, where I did a a show about predictions for the future. Uh, It was called Future Shock. And I did up, and the show wasn't very good, frankly, because uh, I'd bitten off more than I could chew as a lot of people do with their first Edinburgh show but I did up a newspaper and people like loved it but they just didn't realise it was advertising my show <laughs> but it was all like <laughs> it was like four pages and it was like god some of them were yeah predictions for 20 I think it was been the year it was predictions for like 10 years in the future and then the second page was 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and I know we used even new stuff like Stuart Lee becomes the, the head of his own religion which has basically happened um, and quite a few, other few things like that, but we I sort, of, I sort of did that, and then weirdly, just afterwards, you thought, well, that was a waste of time. And then when it came, this came up like fifteen years later, and myself and the wife went, oh, we did that newspaper that time, and we we're like, it would actually make sense to do it this time, and it worked brilliantly this time. So my point is, all of your terrible ideas from the past are never truly wasted; they can actually come back and work out great in the end. Um, so here, here we go. Uh, oh. Florida has the nineteen ninety five Sunshine Law which is a public record law, which means that everyday citizens can easily access almost all public records, including uh, mug shots, uh, government agency business, photos, emails, maps. Um, so with very few redactions, except for things like names and specific addresses. So mm-hmm. that means, firstly, like any crazy, new, any crazy crime story, you can instantly publish like the mug shot, all the details. Um, and then also the weather just means that a lot of people are outside a lot of the time. True. Like nearly sense. all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that the only, uh, do do crazy things only happen outside? I don't know if that part of the well, story. Well, they have well they ha- they happen when people are out and about and interacting with each other more. I think you know, they get seen states- more. That's probably the the thing. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot yes. of crazy stuff happens behind closed doors. I mean, let's be clear on right, that. Right, right. Uh, but also, you know, people are interacting with strangers more, whereas you know they're not snowed in for a, a quarter of the year. Or anything like yeah. that. They're always just able to be out and about, and and, uh, and Florida has a lot of wildlife. And I can speak from someone who's gone through newspaper clippings. There are people who want to give drugs to that wildlife. Um, <laughs> if you like, genuinely, if you pick a drug, pick any drug, pick any animal in Florida. Google it. There's a good chance somebody's done it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, before we get into into the stories from the science news, we we like to ask our guests what, if anything, is their background in science, and that that's ranged from classes you liked or hated as a kid to blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends. Uh, I, can I just be let me be clear. I'm Irish. Blowing stuff up in the in the woods with your friends gets you in a lot of trouble if you admit that on, on public radio or any, <laughs> any broadcast of any form. But it's genuinely true. Before we get into the science, every time I Google stuff about um, like explosives or killing somebody, for certainly when I started off. Um, Alfie, a, a mutual friend of ours, I'm sure, who's a former policeman, actually still is a policeman, was also a comedian, 
and he's had his own Radio 4 series and stuff but I used kept sending a message going I'm just you know go- uh, Alfie, I'm googling how to make a bomb now uh, just it's for a book just so you know I want to be very clear. <laughs> like he was your sort of posting it to your lawyer kind of like. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah. Let he, the record show that I am doing this for research purposes. Yeah, he was my, my, my get out of jail free card. Even though he was being very polite, you could sense him going, this doesn't, this isn't going to help you and nobody cares. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> this isn't how the law works. No, I mean, having said that, a friend of mine genuinely used to throw in, um, when he ring you just to annoy you from Ireland, he'd throw in like certain phrases because it was all this stuff where it was actually proven after the fact that... Uh, Britain was listening to every phone call from Ireland at one point. Holy um, shit. Which is, yeah, genuinely terrifying. I mean, the amount of conversations I've had with my mother that they've had to sit through. God, love those poor people. Um, <laughs> but yes, so my scientific background is, uh, I mean, I did it in school. Um, and then I went on to do electronic engineering in university, mainly because I wanted to be a rock star. I was a drummer in bands and I wanted to be a sound engineer. It seemed like the most logical thing to become and my mother just sort of ran with that and went well if I mean that's the type of engineer and then she rang up some sound engineering people and they said like what degree would you need for that and then all of them went you don't you don't need a degree and she's like but if you did have a degree <laughs> what degree would be useful um and then they went well I'm an electronic engineer good that'll do lovely and then she basically convinced it convinced me to do an electronic engineering in university which I had very little interest in but I spent four years incredibly not failing it um, like every year I turned up at the start of the year you could see people looking back and seeing me sitting in the room with them and they were getting visibly angry that that idiot had somehow got through um, <laughs> like I didn't I didn't even do my labs and stuff I remember at one point we got caught myself and my lab partner because um, we basically figured out we broke into a cupboard and found the lab people's lab books from like the week before so we copied out the next few experiments and the results and stuff and at one point we actually submitted our findings and uh, somebody came up and went neither of you have been here for two hours and I was like oh alright like, what happened was I'd actually gone off to organise a gig for my band and he'd <laughs> gone and played a GAA football match and he was literally like standing there in a tracksuit and I was we were both there going um, no we were uh, standing at the back me and the six foot four guy here um, but you, yeah you just didn't see us and he was like how come all of your equipment still isn't plugged in? And we're like, oh yeah, no, we 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 unplugged it all really fast for some inexplicable reason. <laughs> but yeah, I was a terrible student. Um, but I do. By the way, there's one. This occurred to me today. I have to tell you this. This is my all-time favorite science thing in school. Um, there was a guy in school with me called Horse, and the reason he was called Horse was he looked like a horse. Um, <laughs> like literally, Simple. it was. Yeah, it was very. I mean, like. He even referred to himself as Horace. The teachers called him Horace. Um, And like Horace was just, he was the worst combination ever for a teacher. Because God love him, he wasn't very bright, but he was also terribly keen. Um, So (laughs) he had questions and he was asking them. And our physics teacher, genuinely, you could see him getting twitchy. Because like teachers, whatever about people being messing in their class... Teachers really don't know how to deal with kids who just keep asking questions because they want to learn. That shit scares the hell out of them. And and Horace <laughs> put his hand up one day. And every time he did, we because like he's asked her questions. And we're like every time he did, we all looked at Horace. And Horace genuinely always had a question. And he actually put his hand up. But his question was brilliant. And he just went, uh, "Sir, uh, Einstein or Newton? Who was better?" <laughs> And I remember the physics teacher went, "Well, it's I mean that's an incredibly complex question." 
like I mean it depends I mean just which one was the better one sir and he said well I mean there's a lot of contributions there you'd have to go through and then Horace was sort of went well it's alright sir if you, if you don't know I didn't mean to embarrass you and he was like no it's not that I don't know Horace it's just it's a very complex question and genuinely by the end of the class this teacher went into his little room at the back of the lab and you could just see he was just losing it because he didn't know what to say <laughs> and like you know these were Irish school teachers he couldn't that was back in those days he probably could have given, given a you can't give a kid a clip around the ear even then for genuinely asking an honest question <laughs> and the guy just had to melt down <laughs> um, so yeah that was uh, glorious I didn't mean to embarrass you <laughs> yeah yeah just I didn't mean to you know he's just like oh sorry about that sir and that was the same <laughs> guy uh, was brilliantly he got a job in um, a watch repair place and he actually left in the middle of our final year in school and nobody minded because he wasn't you know he wasn't going to third level and all that sort of stuff um, and so he left on the Friday and that physics teacher gave him the big send off going oh we've had our battles but you're, I've always thought you're a great lad best of luck for the future and if my watch ever breaks down I'll be around to see you in a flash and then we had him like last on Friday and then first on a Monday or second class on a Monday second class on a Monday the physics teacher walks in and he's like usually just sort of through his bag on the desk and sort of quite you know he looks he, th- he looks he notices horse sitting there when he was <laughs> supposed to be gone and he literally missed the desk with his bag and then went what are you doing here horse you've left you've got a job now and he just went yeah sir the place burned down over the weekend and it had it had burnt down over the weekend so horse was back in school with us <laughs> But yes, so that's to answer to your question. That's my experience of science. It's uh. <laughs> a solid answer. Thank you. <laughs> For anybody who's transcribing this podcast later, to make sure, uh, horse that's spelled S T E V E, correct? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a, a listener, uh, I I'll say that again. So we did, I just saw in the emails from our listeners, we do have a story with horse in the title, although it is followed, is preceded by the word Trojan. Sean Robertson left this story in. I'll put it in the show notes as well so you can see it. But um, a cancer drug, a tro- new Trojan horse cancer drug has been developed at the University of Edinburgh, where we've, we've both spent, Cueve and I have both spent many an hour telling jokes. During the Edinburgh Fringe, basically every Edinburgh University room becomes a comedy club yes but researchers have successfully tested a trojan horse drug which can kill cancer and bacterial cells without damaging nearby healthy tissue these scientists at the university of edinburgh created combined the tiny cancer killing molecule senbd which we all know about it's like Mm -hmm. i think that'd be no big deal (laughs) right yeah it's the no big deal cancer killing drug with a chemical f- food compound to trick malignant, malignant cells into ingesting it. Ah. Hmm. I don't know how this, so the pe- this is kind of like how I give medicine to my dog. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dish the University of Edinburgh, but I've basically had this idea already. Right, yeah. Uh, and, then the, the, and, then, and then they have to, uh, with dogs, do, you also, do they also have to like point the cancer cells up towards the ceiling and then sort of like massage the cancer's throat? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, my particular cancer, and he loves being called that, uh, just he will eat anything if it's covered in ham. And I mean anything, including his own paw. 
So um, <laughs> he's, he's not the brightest. I love him to bits, but he ain't the sharpest. If you throw stuff in the air, he tries to eat it. Like he literally, he literally just toss anything in the air and he will try and eat it. It's, it's like you could, you could feed him a bullet just by tossing it in the air. And he just, <gasps> if it's in the air, it must be food. Um, <laughs> oh God, that'd be so much easier than our, our cat is just, it's, it's a nightmare trying to give this thing a pill on the few times we've had to do that. And they're so furious. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. They're 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 like they instantly know they've been tricked as well. But Doug seems very non-cooperative in general, based on yeah. my Zoom work calls with you, in which he has made a made an appearance. Yeah, he does. He he picks his moments. But uh, the peer-reviewed experimental study was carried out on zebrafish and human cells. But researchers say more studies are needed to confirm it's a safe and swift me- method of treating early-stage cancer and drug-resistant bacteria. Hmm. I mean, cancerous cells are greedy and need to consume higher amounts of food for energy and they typically ingest more than healthy cells so basically you got oh okay see it is almost like having a dog where you've just got like the thing that just goes makes a beeline for the food quicker than the other stuff hmm. by coupling SEMBD with chemical food compounds it becomes the ideal prey for harmful cells which ingest it without being alerted to its toxic nature the drug was invented by a University of Edinburgh or University of Edinburgh researchers who compared it to a Trojan horse and its effects to a metabolic warhead. They're really going all out with them with the analogies well, here. They really are. They're trying to sex this up something big. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. we should we should mark this for posterity because if we're the first podcast that ended up uh, taking the piss out of what will end up being the cure for cancer, that feels like that could be in a moment. <laughs> Imagine like we we could actually think oh they could have us in a museum going. This is the first recorded instance of three idiots taking the piss out of what ended up being the cure for cancer. <laughs> Um, this world-changing moment. These are the three dickheads who were the first people to just be- because just the person who it. discovered it was a little hyperbolic about his greatest <laughs> humanity-saving. <laughs> I just, I just want to be dissed when somebody's getting the Nobel Peace Prize for science or something like that. You know, when there's somebody in the speech going, "Oh no, yeah, the guys in that podcast, screw all you guys." <laughs> <laughs> How do you like my warhead now? <laughs> I mean, every speech should end with with that with that line. How do you like my warhead now? That's gonna be that's gonna be my autobiography title. I'm taking yeah. that now. I'm, I'm still on that one. How do you like my warhead now? And I'd also like to thank the academy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like my warhead now? Is the line they definitely strike the band up and cut to commercials. It's <laughs> <laughs> the famous quote from Oppenheimer, right? I'm sure that's yeah. what I said that day. <laughs> But when well, Alban Hyde was just receiving an award, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you say that the, the the leadership of Korea have at various times decided they want to win Oscars, so it could end up <laughs> appearing in a speech at some point. I'm, I'm guessing right after the point they get a working warhead that people genuinely are terrified of, because that's the point they will just give them an Oscar because that family be cray cray. Um. <laughs> so this SEMBD is also a light-activated photosensitizer, meaning it kills cells only after it is turned on by visible lights. So a surgeon can precisely decide when they want to activate the drug, reducing the chance of it destroying healthy tissues and avoiding side effects like hair loss caused by other cancer agents. Wow. It's pu- published in the journal Nature Communications, and lead researcher Professor Mark Vendrell, who, who is chair of translational chemistry and biomedical imaging at the University of Edinburgh said this research represents an important advance in the design of new therapies that can simply be activated by light irradiation which is generally very safe so fuck you podcasters <laughs> just once that would be nice for a researcher I mean I'm sure it must happen at some point some researcher comes out and goes this research 
had absolutely no value. To be honest with you, I kind of realised fairly early doors, we were wrong here, we were doing nothing. But, you know, we had a grant, so it was going to coast for a bit. But, uh, <laughs> you know that card game you still get with Windows? Yeah, I played a lot of that. That was all that really <laughs> happened here. Is it free sell? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, Solitaire, free sell. I don't even know if they get that one, because I've, I've, I've gone to the Mac where they don't give you free games, because they, you know, um, they're too I'm, cool yeah, for I'm that. surprised. Why don't we... Someone should make a Mac. I'm sure someone has, but uh, I, I want some Minesweeper back in my life. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. I'm pretty sure none of the Mac operating systems came with a Weezer music video. <laughs> Wait, what yeah. is that? I don't get the reference. It was, was, it, it was Windows 95 to, sh- to show off... Did you not remember the Windows 95 installation CD to show off their new video, like, MPEG capabilities? No, it no. Came with, it came with a, a copy of Buddy Holly music video. I, I don't, ah, all I remember, all I remember is that they got the rights to um, Rolling Stone Start Me Up because I think Windows 95 was the first... was the introduction of the start button. I, or maybe, maybe an OS with a few years right. of that. But. Yes, and they paid a ridiculous amount of money for it. It was one of those things where they almost paid as much as they could because that was the story then that they printed about how much they paid the Rolling Stones. Oh, right, um, just so it's yeah. worth that just for the story. And they also produced an instructional video starring a couple of the cast members from Friends in a weird, bad sitcom that we then uh, talked about on that show Memory Hole that I wrote for on Quibi. That has... Oh, by the way, I think now everything on Quibi has gone over to Roku, Roku Originals, so can now be seen again. So the Memory Hole, That's that, great. That, ah. that is now visible. That is now viewable. But there's an episode entirely around that, uh, this bizarre adverse sitcom. How much was the, the thing is, like, how, like, how far was that into Friends? Because, like, those people were making a million dollars an episode near it the was, end. Like, um, it must have been a lot of money. after their, I think it was, like, after their first, they were, like, one and a half seasons in. So it was early days, oh, but okay, it was so. still a big... Because we, it was I, a big I remember looking this up at the time yeah. and having that same thought. It was like, was this like right at the beginning when they were really pretty much unknown sitcom actors? And I, it was like, no, they were definitely they were known sitcom actors and should have known better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this if it's in '95, which is the year Windows '95 came out, the fall '95. I remember in being a freshman in college, and it was destination viewing in the common area. That yeah, show. like it was a huge. It show. was like yeah. a season and a half in, but it was like the big, the biggest show, the biggest comedy show on TV. Yeah, it did go big early and then it stayed there for like, I mean, I don't think anything's been as big for as long as Friends probably have, as far as I can recall. Yeah, I mean, there's been things like MASH and stuff, but they never were that big. Well, well I know, I think MASH at its peak when it finished, because also it was just in the year, area of the monoculture, mm. it was even more so than Friends. I think it was just everyone watched it, but it was a slower build and Seinfeld obviously was the massive when it finished, but it took, but season one was not... A mega hit, yeah. So yeah. it started. Cheers so, as well. yeah. So it was like a, it was a season and a bit in. It was because Friends started in '94. So which two? Can you remember who was in it? It can, was. Can we guess? Was it two of them? Uh, was it two or three? Let me. Uh, I'm just trying to think now. Which ones do I think would have the worst judgment? Um, Ooh. Well, Kudrow's very smart. She uh, has. Yeah. Um, like an engineering she has some kind of surprise degree um, yeah she's have, all chemist have correctly predicted that Kudrow was not in it there were two I, I needed to double check I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go hard on LeBlanc I think LeBlanc would be in it oh. I'm, I'm afraid not oh um no that's uh uh what's, I mean what's, was it Matthew Perry saying could could I start this operating system anymore <laughs> 
you have gonna, almost gonna... exactly predicted both a cast member and a line in the real thing. Wow. Oh, what did wow. you say? <laughs> so you've, you've got one. <laughs> There's a... Um, it's got to be... Uh, what's the, I can't remember everybody's name in it now. Um, I don't Fox think it'd be Rachel Aniston because she was... Swimmer. Not, I don't think it would be Aniston. I would go Swimmer maybe. I'm, I'm afraid you're, you're incorrect. It was Jennifer Aniston. Wow, I've t- the two I picked is definitely like, I've completely wrong here. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's... Leprechaun star Jennifer Aniston. I would have thought she'd have better judgment. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's... The whole, the whole 56-minute long thing is on YouTube if you... 56? You are kidding me. It's... Because it, it's not... It's not an ad... It's not just an advertising feature. It's basically a tutorial. It's like a user guide. Wow. But the, they're like... It's so fucking terrible. That's they're, amazing. Each thing is like a mini scene where they're showing... Oh, by the way, it also gets quite racist. What? <laughs> at, at the point that they show you how they can you can use a feature of Windows 95 to order Chinese food delivery. Ah, hmm. okay, yeah. Um, Interesting. But surprisingly, not against Chinese people. It goes weirdly against Mexicans, and no one knows why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least keep it fresh. You know, <laughs> unexpected racism is the best kind of racism, let's be clear. Um, <laughs> but wow, that's amazing. I'm going to watch that. That's my entire Friday night now. Um, oh, it's, it's worth a look. It's worth... I mean, it's very bad. Or you can watch the less than 10-minute long version with... Um, Will Arnett's commentary over the top of it and a few lines that I threw in if you that have access like to fun. Roku Originals which is now where that show is where Memory Hall now lives by the way Queeve speaking of racial stereotypes what do you think of the Matt LeBlanc Irish uncle memes going around oh I loved it it was amazing <laughs> uh, it was it was brilliant because I can't imagine a lot of people understood a lot of them um, but they were uh, absolutely hilarious I have to because there was weirdly I actually looked at him and went he looks like my brother <laughs> um, and uh, just the way he was standing around it just sort of perfectly captured the essence of uh, Irish maleness frankly uh, which to, was to fill people in like they had that friends reunion thing that, that, that came out last week and every, the internet particularly Irish Twitter pretty much unanimously decided that Matt LeBlanc now looks like everyone's uncle yeah, he just has that sort of weird farmer look to him and what the shirt he was wearing. He looks like the best shirt a farmer ever had. And, it, and, it was, and just sort of something about it just clicked. And it's one of those, because we all know social media can be hell on earth in so many ways. But it's one of those things you go, when the collective just sort of latches on to an idea, it can become this wonderful, magical thing. And honestly, that's kind of like basically kept me on Twitter for the next year. Because yeah. when that happened, it was just beautiful. Because also, um, it was it, for for something that goes that viral, but really has almost no malice to it as well. It was just a general. Yeah. <laughs> it really celebration was just, of. Sorry, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, it really, it really was just every sort of ridiculous thing you've heard from your uncle, and like uh, you know, I think so. I hear you're a great man for the computers, uh, which come here and have a look at my computer, um, and uh, like and all that sort of stuff, and like I mean, I've and I've got loads of. Uh, I've got loads of uncles and stuff like that who are, are uh, amazing. I've got one uncle in particular who's an amazing man, hilarious. But I have to admit, I can't always understand what he's talking about because he has a very strong accent. He's a wonderful man. 
But and like normally I just I met him at weddings and we get drunk together and have a bit of a laugh. I was before it happened. I was you know before I drank I was didn't get drunk with him. You know I wasn't he wasn't getting me drunk as a child. But but, but I used when I met him as an adult we were getting drunk and he was telling me stories and stuff. But when you're in a wedding scenario you know somebody's telling you a funny story. Uh, I met him for the first time at a funeral uh, once and that was genuinely really stressful because you didn't know if he was telling you a funny story or something sad. Um, <laughs> and if you lost the thread. You were just floating there going, oh, give me some kind of a clue here. Uh, <laughs> just trying to figure out. Because it's one of these things that it's a weird thing with certain accents that once you're in the flow, if you're on the train, you know where you're going. But if you get off the train, you are lost and you just can't get back on. You can't find a back way back into the stream to understand where everything's going. <laughs> and at that point, you're literally just waving as it goes by and going, oh, God, I hope I figure out what's being said now. <laughs> I hope I um, just make uh, the appropriate face at the end of the sentence. Yeah, that's it. You're just trying to find a neutral facial expression and then match theirs belatedly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, we're just finishing with some sort of the most neutral platitude you can. Like, well, that's quite quite the thing there. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what, what, what a world, hey? What a world. <laughs> What a world, that's kind of perfect. <laughs> well, while we were talking about communication, uh, Justin Broad, listener, sent in this story from NASA um, that about communication with the proposed Artemis moon mission. They're hoping to have 4K communication powered by lasers. Four? Uh, this, this, by the way, this is an official press release on NASA's website, on nasa.gov, and they have this... They've got a little bit too cute for a press release, as far as I'm concerned. Kendall Murphy, who wrote it for nasa.gov, Laser communications will empower Earthlings, all right, Kendall, to employ high-definition images and video when astronauts return to the lunar region for the first time in almost 50 years. You don't know where Kendall's from. That's true. Earth-centric of you to assume that he's an Earthling. My apologies, yeah. Maybe Kendall really does view himself as some kind of extra... I don't... Maybe extraterrestrial or just, just extra species... You see, now, I, I reckon what he's doing there now is quite clever because a large part of the interest NASA get is from the kind of people who are big into UFOs and stuff. And like I've read a lot of that stuff for Stranger Times and I was like, I genuinely 14 times. So I think if they do, if we refer to themselves as Earthlings and stuff like that, it will, I guarantee you there's a subreddit somewhere going absolutely crazy about it. It's a clue. They know it's a clue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, just give them a little crumbs because, you know, they do keep the traffic going up on the website. So if... <laughs> <laughs> it's count. So Michael Bay, who's system, mission systems engineer... For Michael O2O. Bay has yeah, you know, Michael from Armageddon to this. Yeah, no, he's now working for NASA just as a mission system engineer. Yeah. I appreciate that, by the way. Like starting, not start, not starting at the top, work, working his way up through the system. Like yeah. he's doing it properly. But Michael says, "I've been with the project since the beginning, and it's an honor to work with multidisciplinary teams and create a revolutionary communication system. Together, we will convert information into pulses of light. The wow. Orion Artemis II optical communication system O two O." leverages laser communications, also known as optical communications, for use on NASA's cutting-edge Orion spacecraft. Launching in 2023. Are you... Are you that soon? What's oh my really God, you think man could get to the moon in 2023? That seems ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so this... I, did, I realized... I, I thought... I did not realize the timeline was that close. So it's launching in 2023. Artemis II will, during a 10-day mission, it will loop around the moon before heading back to Earth. It'll make the mission one of the first to use laser communication technologies for crewed space flight, 
which will enable live 4K ultra-high-def video from the moon, as well as enhanced science tra- data transmission and more. So we were just... I, literally, two nights ago, I was, I was at Andy's, went to visit him out in the desert, and we watched the Apollo 11 documentary, which uses original footage like film footage from the time and it's incredible 70 millimeter film footage it looks amazing. yeah like i didn't know that they had you know we've seen all the sort of grainy tv footage that's gone through horrible tv processing particularly horrible late 60s tv processing but they were filming on film so it looks as good as film looks and they've cleaned up the film stock as well it looks incredible but we were talking about how the mission the future missions now will have high def real time footage of the moon. we'll be able to see ridiculously high quality footage of the moon that will yeah, be amazing be insane and i mean would that put the naysayers to rest eventually i'm trying to think of after watching that movie any any moon landing denier i'm like well, how would you watch that movie and still but i'm like it wouldn't really matter how much clearer the, the footage is there'll still be people who will be well yeah that's the state yeah. of the art of faking footage now yeah, so well, that's what it is now yeah now they film that they've had six they've had almost 50 years to produce some new film so the, uh, the idea is to have high-definition video transmissions to and from the moon over laser links, says project manager Steve Horowitz. If you recall the images from the Apollo mission, they were grainy and difficult to see. We well, do recall that. But O2O will allow astro- astronauts from Artemis to send video images significantly more vivid and detailed. I mean, the, ama- the amazing thing about that is, like, we're recording this podcast now, and we've had to restart once already because we lost it in the middle. And you think, <laughs> yeah, we have. And as far as I'm aware, none of us are on the moon. Um, and also it's worth pointing out that the link wasn't even to you in manchester from yeah. from america it wasn't even the cross ocean link that fe- that fell it was the link that was 120 miles across california that failed between yeah. andy and me but it could have also I, been a local mic issue but yeah, yeah well, can i ask so that's, like, worse. Uh, that's a cable that's that's a <laughs> that's a yeah. two foot long cable between your microphone and your computer that screwed up but can I ask, have either of you been to, like, the space, uh, Kennedy Space Center and stuff? Because I, I went there on my honeymoon. I, oh, really? I have, but when I was a kid, and I'd love to go back. It I was, is, you know, I was eight at the time. I'd love to go back now and with yeah, it is, adult we, knowledge. We actually, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of the whole space thing and stuff. Myself, my wife, we literally drove from New Orleans down to Miami. And it was one of the stops along the way. As was, um, by the way, we went to uh, Mobile, Alabama, um, which wasn't supposed to be a stop on the way. We genuinely missed a turn off to, I think, the world's largest ball of string. And we're <laughs> having an argument in the car. And then we saw Mobile, Alabama. We said, well, let's go there. They're going to have a they're going to have a, a they're going to have a museum. Uh, they've got a lot of history. And, and they do. And uh, by the way, my wife is black and I'm white. And uh, that was kind of extraordinary to go to Mobile, Alabama. And the guy in the the, the um museum talking to us going it's good to see mixed race couples you don't really see that you know like we wouldn't see you know, ten, he's like 10 years ago you would have got trouble on the street outside and we're like wow well now i wish i'd parked the car better but my point is that was the thing that happened on the way then we did we went to the space center because it was like on the way if i remember this rightly and we were not really that interested to be honest we just thought oh it could was you know a spacecraft and we were like they do a tour when you go in there they bring you through the history of the thing it is the most incredibly well done thing ever to the like to the point where at the end of the tour spoiler alert a thing comes back like it, it really gets across to you that like these were human beings in a tiny ship 
yeah, hundreds of thousands of miles, you know, whatever the thing is, like thousands of miles away, completely on their own. And it really brings home to you genuinely what a big achievement it was and like how amazing it is that we can go into space. And then the things pull across and like the space shuttle is there. And honestly, I have never met, I've never met any human being and stuff and been, oh my God, so excited as when they pulled it across and it was a space shuttle. And that was like half an hour before I was like, yeah, okay, I'll come and have a look at it. To, this is amazing. They do a brilliant job, NASA, when it comes to selling it. Oh man, I gotta go there again. Then yeah, because yeah, I, I don't remember half of that from when I, it might also not have been there 30 years ago when I was there. As a kid, um, no, it's great. As is, by the way, another. There's a random World War Two museum in uh, New Orleans, which is genuinely. Uh, and I'm not a big museum guy, but also that was the other thing that stood out in that thing was incredible, just absolutely incredible. It's one of these things that, like, we all think museums. You go, eh, you know, kind of maybe think I'm boring, but when somebody does it right, you realise how incredible it can be at like sharing knowledge and making people excited about to, to know stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> this little tangent here, but it's worth for the listeners who obviously can't see you as well. You are you're also very white. Like you are, yeah. uh, <laughs> like I, you and your wife are like the the platonic ideal of two people who can't take a photograph together. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Those, those pictures online of like a mixed race couple who cannot be who, like. No oh. pho- photography technology has yet worked out how to deal with you both. Oh, ge- genuinely, it's amazing. When I first met her family, we went for a meal, and it was like me, her parents, and two nieces. Uh, there's five of them, and they're all quite short, quite a short family. Um, and like I'm sort of there, there's a big, quite large, what not very tall, but I'm quite a big bloke, uh, and very white haired. And and like uh, we gave a camera to the waiter to take a photograph. And he was like literally there for about, I'm like, there for like two or three minutes. They're all there with frozen smiles going, is, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying it. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah. And we're like, is everything all right? And he's like, eventually he just went, yeah, no, fine, there you go. And he just handed it back and gave up. And you looked at them and it was amazing. All you saw in every photograph was me. And it looked like the rest of them were on a witness relocation program. They were <laughs> <laughs> like they've been blurred out for their own protection. It was really it, awkward. To yeah, you, of... you, you either get that or, or they're in focus and you're just like this ghost. Just like <laughs> yeah. this source of blinding light that just yeah. emanates from a corner of the room. It's like, this is the time we met God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now, by the way, uh, I have a full big white beard because I no longer need to leave the house because, you know, as I said, you know, I, I now write in my in my office in the back garden, so you're lucky if I'm wearing pants on any given day. Um, but I now have a massive big white beard uh, to the point where I genuinely was going for a walk last year with the dog and these two kids ran down a slope in this park I was walking through and one of them stopped and just went, oh, it's Santa! <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, this is in like middle of summer and like, the parents are going, Oh my god! I'm really sorry. I like, it's all, it's all right. I'd imagine I'm going to get it quite a lot. I knew I knew when the beard was coming in, what this was going to mean. I've actually got a t-shirt. I have to remember not to wear outside. My wife thought. My wife saw it. Went. It's very funny. You're not allowed to wear it outside, and it's basically it says Santa is dead. Um, <laughs> and she's like, if you walk out with that and the neighbors see it, we will have to move. <laughs> Um, to wrap up this story very quickly, so this the, the the big advantage of this laser thing, apart from the improved bit rate, is that it gets rid of the need for a bunch of things like um, uh, a bunch of large gimbal antennas and de- and deployable systems on the outside of the craft, which reduces weight. And obviously, the less weight you can have, you know, the less mass you can have on the ship, the better. The mm-hmm. 
reduced power allows batteries to last longer as well you can have longer and further space missions so it the optical module consists of a four inch telescope and two gimbals that point the telescope towards ground terminals on earth and then a modem that converts mission data and commands to and from late laser beams for communication via the optical module and the controller electronics contains a computer interfacing with the Orion flight avionics and custom interfacing electronics for control and the pointing of the module optical modules telescope it is apparently according to NASA a giant leap forward in communications technology and mm-hmm. and, and help them sustain establish a sustained presence on the moon and eventually Mars yes well that's the big thing isn't it it's basically the moon is now going to be a staging post to get to Mars I think, yeah, I think that that's the idea, and yeah, just uh, a, a stepping stone, and also just like a, a sort of proof of concept that we can do more than just n- near Earth orbit missions again. Yeah, we could do more than golf. We can uh, upgrade to the high lie or something. Oh yeah, I think about all the sports that they can do. I don't think ultimate frisbee even existed during <laughs> the original Apollo run. Hmm. Now I kind of want to see how a frisbee. I mean, obviously, there's no air. Uh, a frisbee. I guess no matter how you. The same speed a frisbee can be coming at you longitudinally, like it'd be coming at you, like facing you. It would That's be a good point because there's no air. A frisbee would probably go about the same distance as if you threw a ball backhand, which would be a ball would just go further because you can throw a ball in a more normal way, or you just throw it. You just throw the frisbee like you would throw a ball, and it would just Although, have right. But then again, if you're spinning it, you're still getting the benefit of the gyroscope. Wait. Oh. Oh I, God! I bet no. you could throw. Could you throw a baseball or a frisbee farther on the moon? I bet you could throw a frisbee farther, not because it gains any aerodynamic advantage, but because but, of the gyroscopic effect. And Does I that... think maybe overall, a person can whip. Um, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Take the best. We got to send the best ultimate frisbee and the best pitcher to the moon yeah, on this mission. To the moon. That, that's the most important. Wouldn't Actually, it be easier did... to train someone like an astronaut to be able to frisbee play? <laughs> it's the no. says no. Affleck to no. Gen- genuinely. By the way, what occurred to me when you were talking about that was because NASA, you know, they're always trying to get people excited. Uh, I this I think this genuinely might be a good idea. When you mentioned throwing a baseball and throwing a frisbee, I was like, speaking of somebody who's like had to do book launches and stuff on the internet. I know for a fact if I put a picture of my dog in anything, it gets like a thousand more likes. Right. They've got to bring a dog to the moon and see it chase a frisbee. <laughs> oh my god, a space dog and a space frisbee. That would be incredible. I don't like you know. I'm just people are going to be throwing their money at that. Everybody oh wants to see the dog chase a frisbee in like zero gravity, like, like like low gravity and stuff. Everybody like you can even just like it would work on so many levels. We have got to get a dog on the moon. We so send it, the internet, you know that, by the way, doesn't seem to think that there's a gyroscopic effect that keeps it up in the air. No, it's just it won't keep it the, up in the air. It's yeah. just that the um, uh, the airflow over the edge of the frisbee, which is basically an aerofoil, is increased by the spinning of it. Right. I wasn't saying that. I was just saying it, it, it might not look as strained as you suspect it would look, because if you released it the same way, It'll look the same, but yeah, it's not going to be held up by it spinning, but you could also throw it. If you could just get your throw to be as hard, you could throw it pancake style and it could be coming at you. You're seeing a circle coming at you and you know, it would be, but it it would, it would, it would travel about the same distance as you could throw a ball like effectively whatever is easiest to release from your hand. Right. But depending on which, in which case something leaves your hand at the highest velocity. And I don't know if that would be for the average person faster with a backhand frisbee toss or an overhand baseball throw. I, I guess it would have to be overhand because otherwise why, why wouldn't baseball players like 
throw the ball back backhand. I mean, we, we need to wrap up this episode. Sorry, but, yeah. Uh, this <laughs> is, Enough of my if, if any of our listeners have, re- have tried to throw objects on the moon before, please yeah. do write in and let us know <laughs> at, at the normal address. That's probably science at gmail.com yeah. and mark your envelope frisbee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queeve, we, we do need to write this up and let you go. And uh, how can our listeners find out more about you and everything you're doing? Um... If you're interested in The Stranger Times, which might well suit the listenership of this, uh, thestrangertimes.com, just go on there. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's out in the UK and most parts of the world. It's actually coming out in hardback in America on the 1st of July, apparently. It's definitely out in America as well, because I got it from the it's Ameri- on. I got it on the ebook online in America. Yes. The ebook is out and the, the hardback is now coming out in the middle of July or start of July. I don't even know why. I genuinely noticed that by accident and I messaged my editor and he's like, oh, really? Um, yeah. So, uh, but yes, they're all they're all sort of available out there, and uh, and go to thestrangertimes.com That's where all we'll see all the. There's basically the spoof newspaper that we did up. Um, that's where and all, all the, the stories podcasts, are. Short stories as well. Yeah, and there's links to the podcast with all the short stories and stuff, which we're we're very proud of. And um, yeah, you can just find all that there, or whitehairedirishman.com is where you can find about the rest of me. Fantastic. As always, you can find us at probablyscience.com. Um, in, uh, on Twitter at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Matt Kirshen, Facebook slash Probably Science as well. And also we have our Patreon and PayPal pages linked through probablyscience.com. Thank you to everyone who helps support the show through that. We really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who spreads the word and tells people to listen to us by social media and other means. And also who writes nice things about us on Apple Podcasts and the other places where you can review podcasts. But uh, Queeve, Queeve McDonald, CK McDonald as well. As you are now sometimes known. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. It's been an absolute delight, Jen. And listeners, see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.